I often hear other therapists or uh, social workers uh, saying, yeah, but I, I, I'm not creative. I, 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 I'm not playful. Uh, but it's not about me who has to be creative or <laughs> playful. No, it's about how can we invite playfulness and creativity. Welcome to The Systemic Way. In today's episode, we meet with Sabine Vermeer, who is a systemic and narrative psychotherapist, supervisor, and trainer. Sabine works at an interactive academy in Antwerp, Belgium, and has worked within the context of looked after children for many years, and has also created a narrative therapy training course. In this episode, we focus on Sabine's paper, No Child is an Island, from attachment narratives towards a sense of belonging. And the paper explores a systemic take on attachment behavior using narrative ideas and playfulness in our work with looked after children. It was a fantastic opportunity to meet with Sabine and um, really get into her paper and to hear her thinking around how she brings in ideas of creativity and play into her work with looked after children. Absolutely, Cesar, and, and I suppose one of my biggest reflections really that I've, and or things that I've taken away from speaking to Sabine is just thinking about how you, the, the, even that first connection with a young person and, and not being on automatic somehow, there's something very present about Sabine, about having that connecting to that playfulness inside of herself and how she can bring it to work with young people to create different relationships with them that will also create different stories of hope to take them through the stages of life um, and I think there's a lot that Sabine can say a lot a lot better than I can now but I really love her use of of language and her connection to play and dance and change she's really enthusiastic about the ideas of using playfulness and the therapeutic properties of using playfulness and creativity the the, the concept of co-researcher I loved I really really loved that and that's something that has stuck with me ever since that conversation and something that I really try to bring into my work more and more and and the idea that she talks about when breaking away from the four walls of therapy you know and and the benefits of that and the the, the restrictions that sometimes we're under from working in in such ways so yeah beautiful beautiful um exploration of her work and she articulates it so well I, I recommend Sabine's work book papers to everyone out there and I think she's a fantastic person for the systemic field to just to learn more from so really really grateful to have Sabine and we do hope to have her again to talk about a new book that she's just released actually so hopefully we can do something in the future again with Sabine Welcome, Sabine. I'll, I'll do a quick introduction for our listeners. Um, today on The Systemic Way, we have Sabine Vermeer. Sounds correct? well. Sounds well. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And Sabine is a systemic and narrative psychotherapist, supervisor and trainer who works out 
of the Interacti Academy in Antwerp, Belgium. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> and Sabine has worked within the context of looked after children for many years and also has created a narrative therapy training course and is also connected to the Institute of Narrative Therapy. All right. So welcome, Sabine. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your, your current work context? Um, my current work context is uh, a big part is training, training people who want to become uh, systemic counselors, family workers, um, or people who want to become a systemic narrative psychotherapist. Um, and at the same time, uh, I keep on seeing children, youngsters, families, uh, mostly in context of uh, adversities where there were many multi-stressed uh, difficulties, uh, traumatic experiences, um, and um, I'll try to find ways with them to go on with life in a more uh, livable way. Maybe I have to express it in that way. Um, I'm also engaged in a project with uh, foster children uh, because I think over here in Belgium, a bit the same as um, in the UK and many places in the world that uh, when breakdown is popping up or coming near in uh, foster families, um, everybody... Uh, has no longer a way to go on, uh, gets um, emotionally completely involved, no longer a sense of agency. And uh, together with uh, other therapists, we developed a kind of module or, or ways of stepping stones that we can use in uh, other directions in the conversations with these children uh, with these foster parents, the biological parents and all the carers that are surrounded. Is that an international course or is it specifically in Belgium? It's it's not really a course. It's really a way that we try to find in 12 to 15 sessions that children and their network can come for conversations and that we together go on a kind of journey a therapeutical journey where we become a kind of co-researchers of what are all the worries, what are all the concerns, and what are all the problems that are popped up and that make that we arrive in a kind of relational dances and get stuck in all kinds of ways. Mm. And. Sabine, am I right in thinking that the paper "No Child Is an Island" is is sort of ex explores some of that? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. it's it's really linked with one of these projects uh, that we developed over here. Um, so also the case that is uh, presented to the story of the boy and the foster mom and all the carers surrounded is one of the uh, stories and, and the journeys that we have undertaken uh, with these uh, children and networks. Mm, yeah. Thank you. And I know that today, I suppose, when we're going to be 
talking, I think we're going to talk a, a little bit more about that paper and Toby, I think, is in the paper written as the boy and Catherine as the foster mum. And I look forward to talking about that. But I was sort of curious, I suppose, before when I read the paper um, about what got you interested, really, in, in working with foster carers, children who are being fostered and, and even narrative ideas. Yeah, uh, maybe I, I have to jump into the past or something like yeah. that, because mm-hmm. I think for 12 years I was working in a children's home, a youngster's home uh, with children of all ages. And um, most of them were placed by a family court, uh, the juvenile court. Um, and... In that work, uh, there were some things that kept on puzzling me. <laughs> uh, some difficulties that we met in finding ways to tumble into helpful conversations with these children, but also tumbling in helpful conversations with their parents and with their teachers and their football trainers. <laughs> And sometimes we arrived also at a point of losing our sense of agency or losing our sense of mattering in relation to them. Uh, So it kept on puzzling me. um, How can we find ways that not reproduce what those children already have survived in some ways or met um, in some ways and that we can uh, tumble in complete different journeys with them. Uh, And the same was also that often there was advised therapy for these children, but it were always the adult people who had the splendid idea to send these children or youngsters to therapy. It wasn't these children's ideas to come to therapy. And the same counts for their parents, uh, that their parents were told that they had to do some work before they could uh, get their children back. But what kind of work did they have to do? And how could we become a kind of collective Uh, that puts together their shoulders beneath the problems and no longer that a child that arrives in such a children's homes often gets captured in single stories, single stories about themselves, single stories about their parents, about their history, and all their... um, behavioral problems, overwhelming emotions that popped up um, were very much linked with their ways of understanding (laughs) of who they were, the relationships they were in, their lives, and what they experienced until now. So... I'm already for a long time on a kind of journey. Where can we find some points of entry 
uh, and also in a respectful way with their parents. Does that sound reasonable what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, and is that a kind of response? <laughs> oh, wow. It's a, it's a really inspiring response, really, to to really grapple with what is can be a really, really challenging part of therapy or, or, or social work or, you know, with, with families at the point of real breakdown, right? And, and to support families to come together and how how without meaningful support or or kind of real thoughtful support families don't always reunite and or don't, not given the opportunity to repair things yeah. in a way yes yeah. yes and and linked to that uh caesar I, I, I was always struggling with oh and then they bring the child and then please save this child I, I say it a little bit simplified but before you know it you get trapped in a dyadic <laughs> relationship where i'm an adult and they are a child i have much more words uh i'm taller than them they are already um suspicious about adults because mm-hmm. They not always have very secure relationships in the past. Uh, mm. So h- how am I going to position myself? And who is getting excluded in this therapy room? While who has to be here also in this room? Mm. Uh, maybe not lively, but maybe uh, imaginary. Mm-hmm. And I think you've already started talking about it, but I was just wondering if now would be a helpful point for you to speak to the particular needs of what we in this country call looked after children, how they might be positioned or even them just having that label, what also comes along with it. Um, I I know that that is the kind of naming (laughs) for those children in the UK. Often over here in Belgium, they say, uh, children placed. Mm. I don't think neither that it is a, a nice term. Uh, children in care, uh, but that that's not how they sense often themselves. Um, and it brings also very close to some uh, things that I str- still struggle with. That. There are so many participants in the conversations about these children and you tumble in such a complexity that um, it are, there is often told about, talked about, oh, the voice of these children. But who has the right to say what the voice is of these children? Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 because I became more and more curious about what what is their insider's perspective, and can we start to develop a notion about what is their thinking, what is their construction of what happened in their life, what meanings have been given to their experiences, and can we find together some language? <laughs> in which we can dance together and explore together um, 
instead of that I have to have um, uh, the right understanding about them. B- because I, I think, of course, when, when they enter the room, when they enter alone or with parents or with foster parents or with their carers from the institutions, I think I have to realize very clearly as, as a therapist that a child never enters alone. All those voices about them, around them, about their situation, about their life, are also entering and are also instructing what I have to do and what I don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. So the, there's two two big parts there, right, you're mentioning, and what, what young people internalize or understand with, from these, what you talk about, the totalizing narratives or descriptions around young people and you refer to a term called blocked care how it, it might relate it might result in blocked care for young people um because of these totalizing descriptions about looked after George could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that or the effects of this and how it yeah. results in blocked care yeah I, I I think that in those uh situations there is a lot of relational involvement yeah and that there is a lot of there are a lot of concerns and uh people all around those children these children try to do their best i'm very convinced of that but that in a certain way through how how it went through time those children became very suspicious suspicious in all kinds of ways. They try to find their ways to relate to people, to find a place in this world for themselves um, that felt a little bit secure. The ways they are trying to do this is not always the easiest way. And the way they try to do it is often become the problem in itself. So it makes also that it challenges very much all the carers around them, their parents, their foster parents, the carers, whoever. So they very easily tumble together in unhelpful dances with each other that confirm already the negative identity conclusions that are around them that they made themselves or that other made about them, that they are hopeless, <laughs> that they are lost, that they can't communicate well, that they are aggressive, and, 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 mm-hmm. and so, so nobody any longer finds any kind of relational agency, you could say, in uh, how how can we find ways to be helpful towards each other? And I think that's that's what your paper really explores, isn't it? The ways that you can be helpful to each yeah. other and relate yeah. to each other. And and I'm wondering if now is is a good place actually for if you could just give us like briefly what what the paper is about and what it explores uh i i think it explores um 
And briefly, that's a difficult one. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to go. In, we're going to go into some of the theory, I suppose, in a moment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that a lot of these children got certain understandings of uh, what relationships could mean, how relationships work, uh, and. Their ways of understanding and stepping into relationships makes it that they get into circles that it make it makes it more and more difficult. Mm. Yeah. So how can we start and open up conversations with them that immediately deconstruct <laughs> where they are already or present in? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the moment that for me playfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I have to invite them in a different condition and I have to be able to step in a different relationship with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have to be aware of all those discourses that are, are around because playfulness can make them a little bit curious again because how it went until now they often no look don't look around anymore mm -hmm. yeah and also the people around them <laughs> are got stuck mm -hmm. so how can I invite them in a kind of curious playful research project mm -hmm. and at the same time that their voice and what they want to share and how they want to share uh, feels appropriate to them. That I don't become intrusive with my questionings. That it doesn't become something that they have to confess to me. But that in that collective research project that I want to engage them in that we can start to discover different relationships different stories um, and that it's not me who is going to save them but that we can start to find out who is that team of support that we can invite um, and also there for me, there is a very important point that often there are so many carers around them, so many people already around them that try to help them, but we don't understand it much in a bi-directional way, in which I mean that, that it, it's often much more helpful if the child starts to see that it's is still meaningful in relation to the people that are important to them. So if I speak about collecting a team of support for our journey that we are going to undertake, then it's important that it's not only a team of support for the child, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. how is that child still supportive to the team around her. Mm, mm. And can they rediscover a sense of mattering? <laughs> mm. 
yeah. a sense of agency because I think that's one of the main points in that article in the sense that it's important to see when those children come in and the people around them that often they lost their sense of agency. And not only their sense of personal agency, but also their sense of relational agency and collective agency. No longer a sense of belonging. Is there still a place on this earth where I can be or allow to be that I am appreciated um, and that can work out? Yeah, Sabine, that's making me think about connecting it to your comment earlier about how as a as a professional working with a child in, in this context um you're very much can also be organized by these social discourses and narratives around children and care and the expectations of maybe what the work should be or even the kind of what you talk about the potential harmful effects of diagnoses that children in care can be quite um prone to being re to receive i guess yeah and just just thinking about that as a as a bit of a dilemma in our work as professionals how, how we might be able to shift ourselves um away from some of those dominant discourses and to yeah, open up yeah. different ways of thinking yeah yeah uh, i think uh about diagnosis i think we have to look for helpful diagnosis that offer us ideas on how to go on. But if they frame a child further on in single stories and not offering openings, points of entry to tumble in different relationships and different ways of stepping into the world, then it is rather limiting. And you never know beforehand what the effects will be of a diagnosis. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they can change through time the meaning of a diagnosis. And a diagnosis can be very helpful for some way, in some way and at some moments for the carers, but it can feel as a curse for the child. So the naming of the problem <laughs> yeah, isn't an innocent act of what we are doing, but it has an influence, the naming of the problem. And so it is that I, I think that's some of the things that I wanted to say also by this article. How can we be careful in this naming? Uh, and that the naming doesn't become a kind of solidified truth about a person. Mm. But that we have to check each time again, oh, what kind of meaning is created here? <laughs> and what are we creating altogether in this? And there are some dominant understandings about some diagnosis that immediately limit the actions also and put me as a therapist at a certain position in relation to the child. Watch mm. out. 
it has an attachment disorder. Look out that you don't get too much relationally involved. And I think, oh, and it are just children who are crying for, please get emotionally involved with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm much more interested in how are the children calling or naming the problems that are that, that came into their lives and mm-hmm. that captured them in some kind of understandings um, that aren't opening ways to go on in their lives mm-hmm. and that are, are rather limiting and restricting their lives mm-hmm. and inviting them in the complexity of the problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that, uh, or I believe, and it's also by experiencing in my questioning children that they can have and develop a much richer understanding of their problems mm-hmm. if we t- go together with them on that research project. And, and um, to, to free some young people of these diagnoses or these characterizations that have been put on them, you know, who is the diagnosis serving? You know, you said it can be useful sometimes for the carers or the professionals in, in certain ways. I wonder if particularly for looked after children, children that have grown up in the care system that have had very difficult early childhood experiences. Um, if attachment, a kind of attachment disorder is a, like, um, I don't know, a very, easy attachment um easy diagnosis for people to make a bit of a kind of um a bit of a fault really in a simplified explanation of behavior by saying it's attachment disorder which then pathologizes children yeah yeah well uh and that's that's my worry if it becomes a really simplified explanation for what is going on what does it bring us (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah then we are just categorizing the child yeah but if it is to grab something of what is difficult for that child and if it can bring us in conversations with a child or the carers of what they they are struggling with that's the conversation that I'm Mm -hmm. wanting to have Mm Yeah. And not about, is that the right explanation? Because, for instance, if we just say, oh, it's an attachment disorder, so full stop. Yeah. For what kind of attachments are we blind by this diagnosis? Yeah. Uh, I think for, for children, the children where I'm working with, I'm always surprised what kind of valuable attachment relationships they have. Although we would say, oh, you have an attachment disorder. Yeah, they have sometimes very important attachment relationships with their cuddly toys. Yeah, sure. Yeah. With with a football player, Messi Mm. (laughs) is a hero for some of them. Mm. And they are really attached to Messi. 
So I, I, I become curious about how that attachment relationship looks like. Yeah. They are really attached to Minecraft and they have a lot of knowledge about Minecraft. So please, can I step into your world? Yeah. And take me into your world and your ways of understanding. And what can we grab about these attachment relationships? Mm. Yeah. And the same like, oh, okay. Uh, how do you care in relation to your cuddly tor or your dog or your cat or whatever? <laughs> yeah. So what's your understanding of care? And how do you want to be cared? Mm. What did you learn in the caring in relation to your cat, your dog, your cuddly bear, things mm. like that? Mm. It, and it reminds me of, um, I was just watching your video, the YouTube video, If I Were a King, the activity you did, If I Were a King, yes, where you explore yes. with a young person of if they were a king, if they were making the rules. Um, yeah. How would they manage some of these things? A beautiful exercise. Yeah, yeah I suppose I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask Sabine. In a way, you've been talking about a, attachment and an attachment, how it might be used in an unhelpful way through a diagnosis, but how you might, through your work, try to think of attachment in a different way to give that sense of belonging, to give a sense of coherence and personal relational agency um i suppose i was just curious if, if 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 we name it a bit more explicitly in terms of um attachment theory and systemic ideas in in your work with young people you started to talk i suppose about how you create a safe space to do and talk about attachment i didn't know if there was something else you wanted to add um uh, i think uh in 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 creating that safe space, uh, I think we, in the meantime, we all know that the quality of our uh, collaboration mm -hmm. with these children and their families uh, is the most important uh, factor mm -hmm. <laughs> in <laughs> arriving somewhere with them <laughs> in, 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 in creating good results. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I'm putting very much efforts in, okay, how can we tumble together in a valuable, secure relationship and not only me with the child, but with all the people that surround that child <laughs> and that are important to them yeah so and what i easily do before they even come and i have never seen them that i will send an email or a message yeah where i will ask to them um oh we have a conversation pretty soon um some people said that you are struggling with some things but uh i'm I'm very curious in a sense of um, are you someone, is there someone you want to bring with you uh, that makes you feel more comfortable? Uh, are there some toys that you like very much that you want to introduce? Do you want to bring your cuddly bear? Whoever or whatever, just please bring. They are welcome. Uh, and I also can sometimes say, and we have a house cat over here. If you like, I will introduce you to our house cat. Yeah. 
so I, I'm already opening some curiosity. I, I hope before they come in that I can open already some curiosity. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I even ask them, oh, please also bring a red object. Without explaining why a red object, but that red object is about when they come in, they can use that red object and say to me, oh, I don't want that question. <laughs> please mm, choose mm. another question. I don't want to talk about this. And so I, I have in the room red cards and they can use those red cards each time. So I have to find ways that I'm no longer the expert about them because there are still a lot of psychoanalytic ideas walking around <laughs> that I have a magical eye that can see inside them. So I have to counter also these ideas. Mm. So uh, 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 inviting them in some ways, in all kinds of ways that we can find a collaboration and really become, I, I use the word already, different di different times, co-researchers, but sometimes even uh, co-directors. Um and that it's not a fixed journey that they have to fit in. I was going to say, Sabine, I just want to, at this point, note, I, I love your use of language and the way that you have described creating relationships. And I think you've you spoke about having stepping stones to that tumbling and, and dancing. So it, it feels that... And, I, and I'm aware that you're speaking in English to me and you normally speak in Dutch. So I, I'm I don't I'm I'm assuming that maybe you use language in that way when you're speaking in, in Dutch. But I'm wondering what role language plays in in the playfulness and the creation of that space. Um, for me, a lot. Mm. And, and then I I'm not talking alone uh, about um, verbal language, mm. but, but all kinds of language come in um and uh as, as i said already i have much more words so how can i try to find a way that we step into their language mm. and their ways of expressing their worries uh their ways of talking about the problems, uh, their naming of the problems, uh, and also in a way that fits into their world. Yeah. So, and, and that's when playfulness comes in again. Playfulness is not only for me uh, a way of being irreverent to dominant discourses, but is also a way of bridging my language to their language and ways of uh, sharing, yeah? So in we have to find a communal language for sharing experiences, sharing emotions, uh, and developing a much richer understanding and bringing in together or discovering together new perspectives. 
on their lives, on how it went until now. Um, and then I I always am surprised that they have such a beautiful language and a creative language. If we listen carefully, huh? uh, that I can jump on and that we can, uh, that can open up together our imagination. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find an example for, think, for the moment. Yeah. Well, well, maybe while you're thinking, I think what I've got from what you've said, actually, that's so important about being able to go into that co collaboration with them is really listening yeah, yeah. To, to the to the words they're using and the things that they that they are giving you or saying no to to help and support you to enter into that that dance with them together yeah. an example that sticks out sabine in in the um, if i were a king activity the, the child said to you one of the rules would be that you can never die um and how how you ran with that and kind of use that in your yeah. exploration yeah. of his worldview and you know yeah. the things he's most interested in yeah yeah um, and and while, while you're playing drawing uh exploring things um it 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 is uh, there's popping up another example um that uh, i was in the room with with, with a child and and her, her mother and there, there were a lot of uh, toilet problems, poo problems, um, uh, horrifying poo problems. Uh, and um, suddenly there pops up that princesses, they don't go to the toilet. Oh, princesses don't go to the toilet. <laughs> oh. And what, what is happening then with their food? And then how, how is this going? And okay. And I, I knew she was really into Frozen, the, the movie Frozen. So we had already a conversation about mermaids also. And how do mermaids poo? Do you have any idea how mermaids poo? And she's, we, we started to go on, on, um, on the iPad and looked up, um, some, how, how fishes, how how a fish poos in in yeah. the, in the ocean, yeah. So that's what's long. I don't know the word in English, but sleeves. So she made a drawing about how mermaids poo, yeah. And and step by step, and 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 it wasn't looking for. And how are we going now? Resolve that poo problem, but much more that we could start to have conversations about pooing, because. A girl, of course, she was so ashamed. So how can we tumble again in conversations about the problems that doesn't make those children further on ashamed or guilty? Because in these contexts, they often got stuck in single stories about it's because I'm a bad child that I'm placed in an institution, that uh, I have to be looked after, that my parents don't want me. So uh, I have to be aware that guilt and shame are also often around. So how can I not reproduce that kind of discourses mm -hmm. and, 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 and uh, effects in, in, in our being together? 
And that carefully listening, what they bring, is an, for me also a very important part. Mm-hmm. And maybe can, can, I, can I add something else that please, pops up please. now in, yes, in the sense me, yeah. that uh, uh, I, I often hear other therapists or um, social workers uh, saying, yeah, but I, I, I'm not creative. Uh, I, I, I'm not playful. Uh, but it's not about me who has to be creative or <laughs> playful. No, it's about how can we invite playfulness and creativity. And it's much more about listening carefully what they bring because they, they bring it with them. Yeah, it's linking me to, to what I was wanting to ask, actually. So that story is a lovely example of playfulness helping the process of joining with young people, creating a safe space, you know, to talk about difficult topics and um, being collaborative. It's, it really kind of, yeah, highlights the, the usefulness of playfulness. Um, and I wonder what some of the challenges you think professionals are faced with in, in working that way. And, and you mentioned one about this kind of a concept that people might hold about themselves of not being creative or even playful perhaps but maybe I'm thinking of more of a kind of how they're organized by organizations or expectations around what therapy should be from children's parents or carers or or the referring person you know what they want from therapy and how, how you think what you're thinking is around how some of those things can be a bit of a barrier to really leaning into being playful and creative yeah I think uh, the, for me, there is one step before your question that that maybe I, I have to talk about a little bit. That uh, uh, it, it's not only the child that is in the need; it are also the parents, the carers that are in the need, and I have to be aware also of this. So that the eagerness, almost, if they bring the child to therapy. Uh, or they come with a child to therapy, that I have to be very uh, aware that they also lost their sense of relational agency, that they often no longer notice how they still can make a difference in the life of the child, that they still matter to the child. So I have to be very aware that, that, that their eagerness sometimes, if they say, please do this, they're even going to instruct you as a therapist. You have to make clear that he has to stop with what he is doing, that he has to learn to behave properly, that are all expressions of their relational involvement, that are all expressions of their concerns in relation to the child, that, that I can hear that in that way, so that I can listen to that. And make space and room for that. Uh, and um, not hearing them as an instruction that I have to do that. Because otherwise there becomes too much pressure on my shoulders. And before you know it, I become the, yeah, the tenth person who is going to re- re-educate a child. But... No, that are our conversation that a child had heard already enough. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I have to be, I have to stay curious also. What are your main worries? What are your main concerns as a parent, as uh, a carer? Uh, and and can I also engage you in that co-research process that we are developing here with the child? So, and uh, I like the idea also. How can we become a collective learning community? Yeah, uh, Robert van Hennig, uh, a, a colleague of the Netherlands, <laughs> used at a certain point in his uh, research project a collective learning community. And I think that's also an, a nice idea that, that we really find a way. How are we going to put together our shoulders mm. in, in this journey? Sabine, because I know in, in that, that paper you I think you speak about from Vicky Reynolds and she speaks about a community of solidarity. What, yeah. How is that different or is that the same? It's very linked with, with uh, what uh, Vicky Reynolds uh, mm. has in mind. Um, but for me, in, in a sense, in, in solidarity, mm. that, that togetherness mm. uh, is uh, really pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what I said about those uh, I use often the word of teams of support, but mutual support. Uh, I had once the image uh, given by a girl who put uh, on the table herself uh, in, a, in a kind of babushka. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And she surrounded herself by dinosaurs. Uh, dinosaurs, the, the Tyrannus Rex and so mm-hmm. on. And, and she was, she said, that's how it feels when everybody starts to say that I have to change, that I have to become different, that I have to learn to behave better. So, and that made me really thinking, oh, how can we try to think not to simplify about uh, networking and putting networks around children? And teams of support or solidarity, that it, it's not in one direction, but that it's, for instance, with uh, a 16 year old girl, girl uh, who wanted in her team of support her cuddly bear, that I could ask her, oh, uh, what do you think that you mean for your cuddly bear? And how did you manage already? to still have your cuddly bear and you're already 16. So what what is your um, contribution to the people around you? That that seems to be very helpful to enhance a sense of relational agency for these children. I'm thinking, what do you see as some of the real challenges in working in this way? with networks and bringing them into this kind of, you know, way of understanding the the, the benefits of working in a a solidarity team, you know? Um, Um, Yeah, I I think there are a lot of challenges. It it doesn't go by itself. Uh, And it's really hard work because the dominant discourses go in different directions. <laughs> and I think it's the same in the UK as over here in Belgium and in the Netherlands. And uh, uh, we have to find quick fits. 
But I often think that the detour is the quickest way. <laughs> um, and we have to work more and more into kind of protocols. But I sometimes think, oh, that kills creativity. That is not honoring what the child is bringing in and listening carefully um, to what the child is bringing in or what the family members are bringing in or what the carers are bringing in. Um, so that's for me a real challenge, the, the enormous pressure and the dominant ways of how we have to do it. Um, can feel some very suffocating and then the the urge so how can i invite people so to slow down and mm -hmm. uh bit by bit step by step tumbling more and more in more coherent narratives <laughs> Uh, that makes sense to them and that make it more livable to live in. Uh, and I think for me, what helps to put that pressure that always comes in a bit aside is um, that it isn't um, possible to erase all the adversities that these children met. So it's not my job to erase the complexity they are living in and the complexity that they lived already in. But much more for me, how together can we unravel it a little bit and find some threads, new perspectives, new meanings, new stories that can open up ways to find more livable pathways. And that I have this in my mind isn't helps me that it's not me who has to prevent that all that they don't tumble again in um all those uh problems. Mm -hmm. I think we I think we have uh, also a very simplified idea about trauma treatment. Mm -hmm. If we do A, B, C, and D, we will arrive in E. And if we don't arrive in E, then we haven't done our job well. That's not how it works, I think. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The term you use um, in the paper the Weingarten term of reasonable hope, I found yeah. really, um, mm. really a useful concept. Because uh, to, to be uh, honest, it, it's not my term. It comes from K to Weingarten. Ah, <laughs> reasonable yes. hope. And um, I, I worked with looked after children quite a while in my career, um, and currently do as well. And um, this concept of children and carers and I, I mean professionals as well around this young person it can be very polarized between this concepts of hope and despair and almost as pendulum swinging between the two I think it's very very pronounced in in in, in working with children in care and and the concept of reasonable hope of being able to hold a position of reasonable hope as a therapist I found very helpful I don't know if there's anything 
you want to kind of add to that or yeah. or ideas of how to to get to yeah. hold that position yeah yeah and um in the holding on to that position helps me to find also ways and reflect on ways to bring in more hopeful stories to the foreground yeah uh, and i really notice often if we can enhance a little bit just sometimes a small bit that sense of agency in all those complexities with the child that hope already comes in oh may, maybe there is still something possible in this world for me like oh maybe there is still somebody who likes me maybe i can contribute still a little bit to the life that that are the moments that i see that hope also comes in again in the life of that child and i think we all know that when when hope comes in a little bit almost that that it can work as a kind of motor an engine <laughs> mm. yeah, that that fuels that and that makes it possible to widening these circles mm. of hope mm. i mean it's it's so enriching to to listen to you sabine and and you you we've been talking a little bit about hope and it made me think about what your future hopes might be for this work oh, going oh. forward i know you've written your book which <laughs> is we, we're going to mention unraveling trauma and weaving resilience with systemic and narrative therapy so there's that to go out into the world as a future future hope for people to read more but i was just wondering if there's anything else that you wanted to add yeah um I think one of my hopes by writing that book was also maybe a bit nibbling <laughs> on some uh, ways of uh, treating children, mm -hmm. ways of looking at children, uh, but inviting people to consider children much more as active participants as full-fledged agents and stepping into journeys together with them as full-fledged agents and taking them seriously that they have ideas that they have thought about the life they had arrived in um, and that we can uh, find ways together with them uh, so that, that people can restart to become curious about their world and their life they are in and um that that we can find ways to acknowledge the adversities um that they are living in uh and that they, they don't have to live their life with me no they have to live their life with their parents, with their foster cares, with their carers, with their peer group, with their community. So uh, I hope that like that book, that it contains a lot of inspiration of 
journeys that you can undertake with these children and the people they belong to mm. that open up those ways. Mm. Thank you. And and I suppose one of the things I'm, I mean, there's so much that's going on in my head, but one of the <laughs> things that I'm taking away is definitely a, when you mentioned about slowing down, how do we slow down the network and perhaps just turn it a little bit in a different direction to support a young person to 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 be there alongside us and to have that voice and to be heard in that way yeah yeah Yeah. i'm always looking for small shifts Mm. in Mm. perspectives that can open up the possibility for small changes in meaning small shifts in actions yeah. And 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 once we have that, that's the moment that hope comes in. And then we, we can start to develop much more mm. of these things. Mm. But I think it starts really with um, inviting these children as active participants in the journeys we, we are undertaking. Yeah. And I also I have to just say as well, I think the other thing that I really liked is with when you mentioned about professionals or adults saying that, they don't know how to do it, but actually they just inviting the playfulness because yeah. it will be there in the young person. Yeah. I think that's yeah. valuable. Yeah. The yeah. spirit of being a, mind. a yeah. co-researcher, right? Mm. Um, I really love that term. Um, I wonder how how young people experience that, you know, to have an adult come along, really come alongside them in this, this project. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but if 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 we can become a, a kind of club of co-researchers, yeah, and and parents are present or carers are present in these conversations, they get a whole world developed before their eyes of what new understandings of what that child is, is keeping having in in their minds or in their uh, experiences. Um, So uh, it invites also the carers to become curious again in a different way. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and then they find together often their solutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I must think about um, the, the, the story of that young girl of 16 and her cuddly bear. Um, it, it was an interview that I did with her about that cuddly bear and how she related to that cuddly bear, what that cuddly bear meant to her. He had a name. He is watching videos together with her. He even went on a weekend trip with her uh, and so on. And there was one of the family workers present in that conf- at, at, in that conversation as a kind of outsider witness. And at the end of that conversation, she said, and it was a woman of 48 years, uh, very experienced. And she said, oh, but at home, I still also have my cuddly bear. Yeah. And a few weeks later, she brought her cuddly bear to the youngster's home where that girl was staying. And the two bears had a conversation with each other about the difficulties about the problems so pe- people find their own ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
really lovely, and, Celine. And 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 maybe a last thing that I I would say uh, on what Julie, what you said, uh, that uh, or or Caesar, that uh, people often say or therapists say, then yeah, but but I, I'm not creative or uh, I'm not playful. That that I often think, but just listen to our language. Our language is so metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And if you listen in a metaphorical way, it also offers stepping stones. Yeah. So in each verb that they use is an action that you can use in a metaphorical way. Yeah. I started to listen very carefully to what kind of verbs family members, uh, children, youngsters use. Uh, I'll I'll give an example um, uh, because uh, it was a conversation with a boy and his grandparents and he was in foster care with his grandparents. um, And uh, he, he was talking about all the question marks that were in his head about himself, about his family, about his parents, about all kinds of things in his life, the question marks. And um, I I asked, what do you try to do with those question marks? And he said, I try to hide. Mm. Yeah. I said, where where do you try to hide? How, How do you do hiding? Yeah. And suddenly he says, oh, but I have a secret cave in Minecraft. I build a cave in Minecraft. So together with his grandfather said, but can we have a look at your cave in Minecraft? Mm. <laughs> you see? And a bit later I asked uh, to the grandfather, uh, and, and do you also have question marks? Uh, and what do you try to do with those question marks? And he says, I, I try to kick them out. And how looks kicking them out? And grandma, I said, what about you? And I asked the boy, do you know what grandmother is doing with question marks and stress that comes in, et cetera, et cetera. And um, (laughs) he said, oh, she is knitting them away. Knitting them away? And so can you demonstrate how that looks like, knitting them away? So he really went sitting on a chair and knitting, yeah, <laughs> and, and nothing with his head all the time. And grandma said, yes, yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow, yes. That's not about huge creativity, but it's about listening. What, what, mm. what are they offering? What are they bringing? Mm. And they bring a whole world with them. Mm-hmm. in the conversation mm-hmm. and at the same time i have to listen to all the voices that also are coming in uh, and that they have to relate to how does that sound oh wow it's a beautiful invitation mm. to 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 really lean into working well it's, it's, it sounds like just meeting young people and families where they are that's what that's what i hear from it and being open to the invitations that we get in those moments and those conversations rather yeah. than being really organized and directed by what we want out of the session, what we need to get, but really yeah. connecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I, I think even that that links Caesar with your, your your question a while ago about a safe context of or safe grounds. I, I often call it how can you find safe grounds? But often we think as a therapist or 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 a carer, oh, we have to make this context safe. And we are checking, is it already safe enough? Mm. But that mm. children have knowledge about safety. So often I ask, oh, can, can you draw a plan of your house, of the apartment, of the neighborhood? And what are places when we draw together that plan, that, that ground plan of, of, of the apartment or the, or the house? What are your favorite places in the house? And what is happening at in these favorite places? And what are places where you comfort yourself when you're sad or angry? Or this, and, and, and how do you do that, comforting yourself? So they have knowledge. They, they, and, and, and can I listen to that? And, and how can we create that over here? What is important to you that, that we create a safe context then? Mm. Does that link a bit with your question also? It really does. It really does. Of, of, of a while ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not it's not being the expert in what means safe and creating safe, but it's obviously holding it in mind. But give working with the young person's concepts and language around it. Yeah, it it, it it's all the time a kind of uh it it it's another term uh um in in a sense it's it's a uh, a, a participatory sense making of what mm. what you're we are all involved in. Mm. It, it, it's a kind of co-creation. Yeah. And then it links as well to me what you were saying, but I was thinking of the word trust and attachment and mothering that you used earlier as well. That it doesn't just come from you. You don't do it unto there's yeah. also, yeah. you know, the, the the looking toward the, you know I'm thinking I suppose I'm thinking it back in terms of attachment even a baby a baby is looking to you you are looking to them it goes both ways to create yeah, that all safety. the time all mm. the time and and it's all the time both ways exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I wonder and if always that... always also in in context that facilitated limited uh and and we have to be very aware of that and I, I wonder if that's when you talk about the systemic perspective on attachment, if that's the additional layer that you you talk about, I've got a quote from the paper, if I can read it, and then maybe your, your reflections or if you want to add something to it. But in systemic therapy, attachment behavior can be conceived as a sometimes misunderstood relational response, as well as a relational invitation in a particular context that can evoke emotional connectedness. Attachment then is not seen as a reified attribute of an individual child, but rather as an emergent context dependent quality of dynamic relational processes in which the therapist can take part. I couldn't say better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's a place to sort of signpost people towards the paper because I think we've given the we given the title about no child in Ireland, but it's in the journal of family therapy august 21 yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it, it 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 links also a bit and and it's 
in a much easier way, maybe told in in a sense that uh, the, the the simplified um, idea also it needs a village to raise a child. Mm. It's it, it's a sentence that we use so much that we don't even think any longer about it. But I always try to keep in mind it also needs children to raise villages. Mm. And as a colleague also says, <laughs> and it needs a village to support the carers to raise the child. Absolutely. So and, and, and then we get into that multi-systemic perspective and the many layers, the many complexities and um i think it's important that we keep on seeing children as a knot of relationships and a knot of stories um and not just one single story because then you get a re-efficacy of of uh of children and their diagnosis thank you so much sabine that's been amazing amazing and really, really useful in trying to understand some of the complexities in working with looked after children, but gen- generally in our work as therapists and working with, with, with families. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Sabine. And I just wanted to say thank you for the generosity. You gave us so many wonderful sort of examples of your own practice of young people. <laughs> and I think that's so valuable for people to hear. So yeah. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Thank, thank you for the time. Yes. Thank you for making support. room for it. Um, for me, it's also part of that mission, in a sense. How can we uh, find different ways to look at children and open up space for children uh, and their voice and not what we consider as their voice? Mm. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank you.